This program is about bringing up controversial subjects and a series of quests for strange horrors. It feels good. Guidance is internal. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. Do not think there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true. Welcome to Far Off Topic, Episode 3. In this episode, we kick things off with a furtive discussion of whether or not spiders are intentionally mimicking humans as a vehicle for a future arachnoid uprising. Our conclusions may surprise you. And for a little light conversation, Jax and I discuss the potential dangers and benefits of gene editing. In the second half, we explore a true-life conspiracy involving corruption, sex trafficking, and the clandestine political privilege of an elite group within the U.S. If you're thinking I'm talking about Pizzagate or QAnon, you're wrong. This really happened, and its implications are far more chilling than you can probably imagine. With that, I'm your host, Fiasco Jones, and with me, because a blue fairy told him that if he did this podcast, she'd make him a real boy, is Stephen Jackson, a.k.a. Jax, a.k.a. Mr. Glasses. How is life? Uh, life is okay, I guess. Um, you know, nothing real new from, from last time we recorded. I guess you've been out and about in the world, and I've been... Uh, not out and about in the world, just um, living the life I want, okay? Very <laughs> so, nice, very nice. <laughs> which, uh, if you don't know, I, I like to sing occasionally, like, living the life I want, because that, and people know that phrase, people know that that phrase, and they know that, like, jingle, but they don't know where it's from, and it's the Valtrex commercial. So, you know, I've always kind of found that a little funny. Anyway... To get to your question. I've never heard that. I've never heard that <laughs> my entire life. So I just learned something today. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will have to, I'll have to search for that. Living the life I want. Now my days are right where they belong. It's a brand new day. There is no cure for herpes. Not much is new since last time. We're in the throes of winter here in the fine Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's freezing ass cold, but it's fine. And, um... Watched some good fights a couple, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and uh, been paying a lot of attention to the chaos that our nation is in. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a huge grab bag of uh, fun fun things. Yeah. Huge grab bag of nonsense. Yeah. How about you? What you been up to? Well, uh, I just got back from Adelaide, I guess a week ago. Um, okay, so I don't know where Adelaide is. So where is Adelaide? It is on the eastern side of Australia. I should say it's in Australia first. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on the eastern side, and it's kind of tucked into this little... Uh, if you think of like, uh, Australia as having just two big old butt cheeks, uh, okay. the eastern side is the smaller butt cheek, and Adelaide is kind of tucked in next to the asshole. Got it. Yeah, but I'm sure that they really do appreciate <laughs> you describing their country like that. But I would, but it's very nice though. Um, it's very nice there. It's uh, it was very kind of like a San Diego climate. I mean, it's summer there right mm -hmm. now. Um, so I'm looking at it on the map and it's like Southern Central. Right, it's actually in the state of South Australia. And, and you were there for UFC, I'm assuming. Yes, yes, it was a little fight night. Uh, one of the last ones, because we, uh, we transitioned over to ESPN at the uh, beginning of uh, 2019. So this is, that was the last fight night not to get too far away from Adelaide, though, I actually had a very surprising moment there because I think it was on my last night, uh, Suicide Joe had called me up, and uh, I was just ch chit-chatting with him. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I don't know. I actually had this uh, Saturday free. 
It was actually probably the most chill event I've ever been to in my entire life. But Suicide Joe was asking me what I should do. I'm like, I don't know. So I just kind of got – and here's the thing. I probably knew as much about Adelaide as you did going there. Right. And I just figured, eh, what, I mean, what's going on in Adelaide? And I like to explore strange things and you know, go to places that have some kind of um, – are marked by some weirdness. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think anything happened in Adelaide. I was like – I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. So – I get on the internet, I start typing stuff up, Adelaide, you know, uh, strange things to see in Adelaide, and boom. I mean, the first actual hit was the uh, Indigenous Peoples Museum, which I wasn't too interested in. Um, but number two was the Somerton Man. Um, the Tommen Shude case oh. actually happened in Adelaide. And I never knew. Wow. Yeah. For, well, that's cool. Yeah, it, it was really cool. Uh, I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know that either. Yeah, I was like, holy crap. For people who don't know, uh, the Somerton man is a case where uh, this unidentified man just showed up on the beaches. Um, he showed up in the Somerton Beach in Adelaide. They found a, um, a hidden pocket. And inside that hidden pocket was a, a little kind of rolled up piece of paper that said Taman Shud, which is from a Persian poem called the Rubiat of Omar mm-hmm. Khayyam mm-hmm. and that began this kind of huge kind of trail of like intrigue where they're trying to figure out like okay what's going on why does he have this then they eventually found the the, the book and in the book of the, the the Rubiat they found a code and to this day it's never been solved I mean I, I think I saw recently on some internet things that someone may have solved it but I no I don't think it has so it's still a huge a big big mystery the possibilities of who he is are a jilted lover or he could be a spy uh so the other big the big one that everyone leads into is that he's probably a cold war spy and either he was killed by the opposing agents or he killed himself because the 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 bad guys were closing in on him so he just offed himself um but yeah no one knows and it's a big 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 mystery and luckily i was there so so i uh found out that his his grave was a 10-minute walk from my hotel. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, so I just walked down to the, to the grave. I, I mean, I just, I'm just chilling, walking along, um, listening to my music, and Mean Green calls me because it's like 4 p.m. here in Las Vegas. It was maybe 10 a.m. I can't remember what it was. It was early. And so she's like, what's going on? Just catching up. And just, just so I just kind of lose kind of track of what where I, like what, like specifically where I'm going because I don't know exactly where the gravestone is. I just know it's mm-hmm. in, where it's in the graveyard in this general vicinity on the kind of like this one quadrant. I knew what it looked like because it actually has a plaque in front of it. So I'm like, okay, I'll just look for the one mm-hmm. the one grave with a plaque on it. In the meantime, so I was just kind of I was just talking to her, hearing Charlie Kitchy screaming and yelling and causing a ruckus. <laughs> and she's like, Where are you at? I'm like, Where do I am I always at when I'm on these trips? <laughs> In a I'm at a cemetery. I'm just kind of like just talking to her. I realized that where I thought it was, it's I I was way off. I'm like, oh, it's not even it's not even close. And every single gravestone looks the same. So I just keep kind of pacing back and forth. And then I just start making these kind of random just move like just course changes just wild you know going far this way and then to the right this way and then hook around immediately i just passed this one gravestone and there it is and I, i'm like holy crap i found wow. it i found it. it's right here and it was like in the <laughs> middle of the like you know the of all these uh the spots I'm like wow that's amazing this is just i randomly just kind of like boop and just walked into it that's a great story but um the biggest thing is that as I'm like reading the, the gravestone, I see that it says December 1st. He was found on December 1st, 1948, mm-hmm. which was to the day, 70 years since uh, 
because I, I was there, there on December first. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, wow. And I was like, holy crap! It was, and it was this kind of moment of like synchronicity. It was like one, the fact that I, you know, didn't know this guy was the, the this was the, this mystery happened in this one place. Two, that it was like on the day mm -hmm. to the day, and it was just literally just like, you know, if if uh, uh, Suicide Joe hadn't called me, I don't know if I wouldn't have gone. You know, I I, I maybe have just just gone you know hanging out with some of the friends uh from usc people you know but yeah no instead i i, I went to the summer gym and i was like wow this is pretty pretty amazing maybe there's only a handful of people that would think that's an amazing story but for me um to have everything just kind of fall into place like that was pretty pretty cool well i'm in the handful i think it's awesome yeah so that was a that was a long catch-up but uh so let's get into our uh our near and far <laughs> There's a new study uh, in the Journal of Science that uh, titled Prolonged Milk Provisioning in a Jumping Spider. Mm. So if you didn't know this, uh, <laughs> there is a species of spider called Toxus magnus uh, found in Taiwan that produces a milk-like substance um, and it, which it then feeds its little spiderlings um, until they're actually uh, for 40 days. Uh, so they actually like, go out forage on their own, but they'll come back home eat some spider milk and they'll do that you know until they're essentially mature and then they go on and run their life just like a normal human family it's just i, I don't know i thought octopuses were going to be the next species to overtake mankind because uh, just because they're just, it's so strange and they're so much more intelligent um, and they have a weird, different kind of intelligence than, than people because it's all it's all layered across their tentacles. I think spiders might be catching up because they're they're now emulating us. They're now emulating yeah. what we do, and it's not because we just discover this. No, no, no. They went out into the world and they're like, hey, they, so they're feeding their live young milk. We'll start doing that, and they are. And here's the other thing. Uh, what is it? Is it uh, is it ten times more? Uh, nutrient than cow's milk, so they're they're getting stronger from their tiny little milk. Oh boy, we're doomed. Well, uh, all I'll say is, do not under any circumstances tell the wife about this because uh, spiders are like the bane of her existence. She hates them more than anything, like more than she hates me. Like if she knew about this, she would lose her fucking mind. She should. They're just I mean, terrifying. It's terrifying. The other terrifying thing is that they, uh, not only are they emulating humans now, but they're actually a species of spider that actually mimic ants. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously to kill ants. So it's literally they're moving up the chain. They start with ants. It's like, oh, we, oh, we, own, we own these beasts. Yeah. So now we're just going to like, we'll, still, oh, we'll look at these bigger ones. Those are bigger ants making, making bigger cities. We're going to emulate them now. And soon they'll be, maybe they could honestly be kind of like the movie Mimic. They could be amongst us in the subways. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. A fly can look like a spider. A caterpillar can look like a snake. Evolution is a way of keeping things alive. It would be amazing if they were running around amongst us, uh, because you know that'd be cool. It just it just is cool. Just wants to because if there are if there aren't going to be interstellar aliens or ultra dimensional right. aliens, let's just evolve. A monster so that we have yeah. something to you know to, really that's the only thing that'll unify america and the world yeah is to have giant spiders yeah we have a crisis situation on our hands the town is being overrun by giant spiders now believe me i know how this sounds but you must trust me on this i want everyone to arm themselves immediately 
I repeat, giant spiders are all over the town. I know that if, if human-sized lactating spiders were running around uh, murdering folk, I, I, I don't care who my neighbor is, who he voted for, I'm gonna kill spiders with him, you know? Right, exactly. Does he have a shotgun? That's the question you <laughs> right, wanna know. Right, right. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder on the barricades, fighting the, fighter, the spider menace. Exactly. As an aside, uh, cockroaches also produce a, a form of milk, and there's a market that is trying to uh, package that and sell it to people uh, as a superfood. <laughs> Researchers have found that cockroach milk yeah, it may actually be the next big superfood. That's hard to believe, but scientists say milk produced by the Pacific beetle cockroach is a fantastic source of nutrition. Apparently, it contains essential amino acids, more than three times the energy a person can get from cow's milk. I mean, people eat, uh, people drink coffee made out of bat shit, so I don't know why they wouldn't um, eat cockroach milk as a superfood. Wow, that was a, at a, that's a surprise. What, there's a, there's a guano coffee yeah yeah what's it called um yeah i can't remember the name of it it's apparently really good so it's the most it's the most expensive coffee in the world kopi luwak luwak it's a kopi k-o-p-i l-u-w-a-k kopi luwak and it's the most expensive coffee in the world the main factor of its high price is the uncommon method of producing it it has been produced by coffee beans, which has been digested by an Indonesian cat-like animal called a civet. Oh. Or civet cat. cat I thought it was bats. <laughs> so, well, cat food coffee or civet cat coffee. Well, the uh, enzyme's supposed to penetrate the parchment, which uh, influences the taste of the coffee. And what happens is uh, it lowers down the peptide and increases the protein and affects the taste. And the taste is, it diminishes the bitterness and puts a chocolate taste on the coffee. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised that they're, they're hawking uh, uh, cockroach milk. Of the two, if you were gonna say, which one would you have? At least the cockroach milk was designed to be eaten in the first place, whereas you're eating someone's, a cat's excrement. Uh, I'm, gonna, right. I'm gonna put a stop to that. That's where that's. Would you eat either one of them? Would you try either one of like them? Like I said, like if gun to my head, if it was cockroach milk versus civet coffee, civet shit coffee, uh -huh. I'm gonna go with the cockroach milk. Because uh, again, it was designed to be eaten by a cockroach, but in this case, but still, I mean, it was right. Some it was meant to, you know, it was it was a food source to begin with, not yeah, not some post food source. Well, one of my favorite things that we once did together was went out for sushi and um watching you try and choke down a piece of sushi was like a, a delightful <laughs> delightful experience because uh, that stuff is like candy to me it's just like eating candy or maybe unicorn tears i don't know it's so good and the the exact same thing that i'm eating to you was like you were eating like zombie vomit. <laughs> yeah, no. And it was hilarious to watch. I, I mean, I, I've gone back to that well a couple times because people don't believe like, well, you should try it. I'm like, I've tried it. I'm yeah, an yeah. old person. You, you I've, have... I've, I've been here. Trust me, I'm not trying to, it's not an eggs, a green eggs and ham situation. I have, right. I have delved into this, this 
cauldron of hate. Just give them my cell phone number, and whoever tries to do that to you again, just give them my number. I will happily confirm that you have 100% tried it, and it is not in your wheelhouse. <laughs> it's not. But uh, I will say, uh, I have tried. Now, tell me if I'm, I, I'm probably way off base. Uh, was it a, is it a California roll? It's not really a, it's not really considered yeah. sushi though, right? Nah, I mean it's 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 rice. Uh, what is it? Crab and I think avocado and uh, some seaweed. So uh, you're, you're I don't think the one I had had seaweed in it because that's the that's, here's the thing. Yeah, that's, that's the thing the, that gets me is the seaweed. That, that's like ugh. I hear you. I mean, this, this seaweed can be kind of a weird taste and texture. It's making you sick. Thinking about it, I yeah, can see that. Yeah, it's disgusting. So, uh, yeah. So, either way, so I, there, there are a few handful of things that I've, uh, sushi-wise, that I, since then I have tried, I have liked, but the largest, the large <laughs> body of sushi uh, uh, options are off. No, off the table. This episode really is living up to the far-off topic label. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, uh, who knew truly. spider milk would get us to sushi? But either way. I don't know. Changing subjects one more time. Uh, the headlines about the CRISPR babies. Uh, he Jinq. Uh, I'm gonna murder that name. But uh, Chinese uh, researcher who came out saying that he was the first to create uh, two babies who were edited with the CRISPR editing. I don't know what you call it. Suite of gene editing things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, you just call it CRISPR, right? What do you, what, how do you, it's a gene editor? You just call yeah, it CRISPR I mean, it's, gene it's editor. It's yeah. gene editing. Yeah, it's just gene editing. Uh, yeah, so. Lulu and Nana. And uh, he basically pulled out this, uh, I guess, this one gene, uh, the CCR5 uh, gene that can give you a certain amount of immunity to HIV, which sounds like, hey, that's a good... It seems like he did a good thing. The problem is, is that you're not necessarily resistant, completely resistant to uh, HIV uh, without the CCR5. Two, they don't even know if the girls had HIV. Uh, and three, it opened right. them up to other dangers, uh, you know, as they grow older. So, yeah, he's been uh, widely lambasted for just jumping the gun on this one and really having, I guess, mm -hmm. no, no ethics. Uh, what, do you think this is going to presage the, the Gattaca future? Because uh, I guess it's that everyone thought if you have the tools, you're going to use them. Then people are like, no, no, no. We, they, you know, it, we have it under, we have it under wraps. Well, then, then this, no. you know, there's always one mad scientist in is the, the bunch. Is a person going to get paid to do this? That's the question you got to ask yourself. The answer to that question is 100% yes. It's always going to be yes because there's going to be somebody out there. There's a market for this, even if it's, like the the child in utero, we um, you know we have an embryo that's fertilized and we want that embryo to be a boy, or we definitely don't want that embryo to get cancer. Hundred percent, someone's gonna do this, and uh, if if there's enough money behind it, so I am not surprised in the slightest that it happened. I'm aghast that it happened, but. Uh, I, but, you know, at the same time, I'm also wondering whether or not this is, you know, along the same topic, along the same lines as the uh, Raelians who cloned the baby. And then the baby just was like, nah, well, we will present to you the cloned baby. I'm very, very pleased to announce that the ba first baby clone uh, is born. She's fine. We call her Eve between us. You know, for a long time, I thought that the um, this press conference will be with the baby, the parents, the scientists, everybody surrounding me, 
and uh, having pleasure announcing in I'm alone. We have been discussing with the parents the last three months how we would handle today. And uh, they decided not to show up yet. They will. <laughs> and then that baby just like never materialized and that was like 12 years ago. I think this is, you know, super dangerous. Uh, it should be heavily regulated if it's not already. And, um, but like you said, there's going to be a mad scientist everywhere. I've only done cursory research on CRISPR. I think it's an interesting, fascinating, and gene editing as a whole is is fascinating. But as far as I know, yeah. it's it's like you can like over the counter buy this. You can buy it on online and and, and edit like mosquito genes if you wanted to. I spent the past several months developing protocols and kits so people can perform safe experiments with modern technologies like CRISPR in their home. I don't think there's any way of of really regulating it in any meaningful way anymore, um, other than the 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 a government saying, what did you do? But if you keep it under wraps, like if you're wealthy enough to say, hire some uh, geneticist to, I'm assuming that's what they're called, uh, to go in and, uh, hey, uh, I need to edit my baby. I want it to be super strong or super intelligent or, you know, right. or just not something else. Can you do that for me? And keep it off the books. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the real big crime, the, the, or not crime, the big mistake this guy made apparently was uh, publishing it and getting it out there. Right. Because um, yeah. apparently no one knew he was doing it. And that's going to be the issue in the future is, is no one's going to know that people are doing it and they're going to remain in the dark. Yeah. Because of, of how people reacted to this. He just wanted the fame, I think. I think he was just, he wanted to be the first at something. So he just jumped at it. The next guy's not going to make the mistake. The next guy's going to say, just no. give me the money. Look what this, look what happened to this guy. I, uh, the last uh, story I read, he like disappeared. Uh, like the government just swiped him up off the street. Um, he'll, I guess he'll be back to face the music sometime or unless he's facing it now. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's in China. Yeah. So uh, he, he, he may have already faced the music yeah. and is no longer with us. This also did uh, get me on a completely different mindset of what do we consider um, sacred? Like, because even if you started asking people, like, well, if you did want to edit your genes, what are the things you'd want to get rid of? You know, I, there's some things I think a lot of people could uh, agree on. Kind of like what this guy was going for is he was, you could say, trying to do a good thing. He was trying to mm -hmm. cure them or inoculate them from HIV. And you know, when you're thinking about like, well. His intentions were were right, you know. Can you make? Can you inoculate me for the rest of my life against the flu? You know, if you could edit that in, I think most people would say, yeah, sure, let's do that. What are the things that you think are editable that, that are non-controversial? I mean, in a sense, I think what he what he was gunning for is kind of non-controversial. Like the HIV virus will not enter your body and start attaching itself to your to your t-cells and killing them like i think that that's a non-controversial uh or or essentially that your your t-cell your t-cells would have the ability to fight back cancer good old cancer the uh killer of of so many people and and i think everybody knows somebody who's at the very least had it um and and all the cancer is is just your your stupid dna um, mutating and then uh, replicating far quicker than 
your other cells. And so I could see I could see cancer being something that people are, you know, we're going to give you in utero this little shot that means that your baby baby will never have cancer again. Um, so I, I could see illnesses, things like that. Anything cosmetic, though, I think people are going to lose their minds about. What about things that aren't necessarily cosmetic? Like, uh, so I'm colorblind. Uh, I don't really know the difference until someone says that is not blue, that is purple. Um, and then I, I feel the shame of, uh, actually I don't, I feel empowered because I'm like, you're the fool because there's no such thing as purple asshole. Um, but <laughs> you guys live in it. You, you, people who see colored vision are the ones that live in the illusion. I don't, right. you live in the illusion. If there's a, a filter right. over you. Seems a rainbow, a panoply of colors that aren't even I there. I mean, but my that. But the thing is, like, so if if there was someone, like a parent, that said, "Well, oh, found out that they're oh, your kid's gonna be colorblind. Uh, do you want to change that? Is that controversial? Because some people would say, oh, well, you know, it's a handicap. You know, like, well, you can't see these imaginary colors. So I want you to see the same fake colors as I do. So give make them uncolorblind. Is that a, is that a like is that a controversial change? I think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I, I don't know. I was just reading that like one in 100 people are clinically psychopathic or sociopathic. Mm -hmm. They're in that range, but they're they're normal. That's at least they're considered. They're part. It's kind of like just part of just normal. There's you know there's a, a few psychos. There's a few colorblind people. And there's a few like normies. Um, but we all get along. Yeah. There's a few psychopaths that just go nuts and murder people without a conscience. But eh, you know that's just the price you pay. Now. Psychopathy could be like, well, we're gonna, <laughs> where you need to inoculate the community from a potential time bomb. Because yes, several psychop psych psychopathic people will just become CEOs. Uh, they'll become, you know, leaders of industry, and some will end up murdering, you know, families. You know, how do we balance that? Do we just get rid of psychos, or do psychos actually can they also say, well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing: I'm part of the normal. I'm, I'm in that sphere of normal. I can, I can live amongst you with the same uh, quality. And you know, I won't kill you. I mean, I, I can't say that. I mean, or maybe I'll lie, because that's one on the, on the tree of psychopathy. Uh, lying to get what you want is uh, <laughs> one of the traits. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I mean, like, do, should, we, should we consider editing out some of the, those ideas that are, you know, uh, potential time bombs in the community? I don't know. Probably not. Like I'm really uncomfortable with the with this concept just kind of across the board. Is it, is it just too close to eugenics where we can basically pick and choose? But like whereas eugenics was a uh, at, at the, a very crude, you know, he was basically saying like you were white and blonde hair, you're white and blonde hair, so we're gonna have white and blonde hair babies, and that that just that alone, um, kind of like kind of like cross pollinating plants, um, will get us a result, or just breeding dogs. Yeah. Um, whereas here, you actually have a science that you can actually say with a, a certain a higher amount of of certainty what the result will be. Right. You know, and it doesn't necessarily like, and I guess the 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 the, the real catchy part is that once you start asking the questions of like well what is beneficial to society what is beneficial to the child um it comes down to preference you know i don't, I don't know i mean i guess i'm not an ethicist so i don't know if it's a, a technology you just don't use i don't know it doesn't feel right it doesn't seem right but I, i'm with you i'm not an ethicist so 
Uh, if it's used in a way that, hey, cures cancer, awesome. If it's used in a way that gives us like uh, blonde hair, blue eyed babies that shoot laser beams from their eyes, prefer that not to happen. Well, how about this, though? Because uh, there is a, a component of in intelli intelligence, intellect, that is genetic. And a lot of it has to do with luck, you know? It's like some, mm -hmm. you know, in the same families, you can have a, the, the brilliant kid, and then you have the stupid kid, um, and, and <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the not as brilliant kid, you know? Like the, the ones, like, kind of like Malcolm in the middle, you know? Yeah. Malcolm was a, a, a crazy genius with numbers, uh, and the other kids were dummies. Um, what if you could just level that playing field? Because I almost think like you get to this point where like how are we supposed to live in a Star Trek future if I don't know calculus and I have really no interest in learning calculus, let alone anything higher than that. So how am I going to live in a Star Trek future when I'm sure a lot of people are like me that have no like we can't so it just it doesn't math doesn't come easy to me. I need a drug that makes me math proficient. So if you can do that at birth, there's no downside. There's honestly no downside to making people in, in, in more intelligent. Why not just do that as across the board? Say, all right, you're getting the intelligence, and while you're at it, we're going to give you the, the muscle enhancer too and the bone density across the board, um, creating a new, better version of humanity. But you can still, like, you know, you still have a culture. You can still, you know, grow up to be whatever. You're not just, you're not fucking with anything else, just those kind of those three things. We're making you stronger, smarter, faster. I mean, is that so controversial? I guess not. I don't know. I guess not. No. I, again, I'm very uncomfortable with this. <laughs> and I'm very uncomfortable with this just because I think it, it would detract from the human experience. But if somebody wants to do it to themselves, whatever. That's why. Well, that's the thing We've is I, I don't I don't think you can do it like post-life. Right. As, as, that's the problem. That's why I'm uncomfortable with it. As we've talked about earlier, if you want to, like, cut off your hand and donate a new hand to, and donate your hand to somebody, I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with you cutting off my hand to get to donate it to somebody. I would prefer to keep my hand. And I assume that um, you might create your bigger, faster, stronger child to. But that bigger, faster, stronger child wants to be. Uh, a video game designer. So like, why does he need to be bigger, faster and stronger uh, when he grows up? Also, I think that it's, um, you know, you projecting your wants and desires onto another person. And that's probably not something that we should encourage. I am leaning more toward uh, the, if there's, so I think it's too tough. It's too difficult to say the, 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 the knots, like I want to edit out, the, the the you know the deficiencies we'll say it's like like defining what a deficiency is and getting down that whole path I think is uh is, is too far it's too rot with too many uh, biases and historical hatreds that eh, mm -hmm. let's just not worry about the not the, the 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 deficiencies but we can I think we can all kind of we can all agree that there are universal benefits that we can all partake in and those should be pushed ahead those should be pushed forward i mean you know with some time and some consideration uh but i i just don't see the downside of becoming smarter stronger faster uh even if you want to be a game designer it doesn't mean you know, that's your job i mean you're, you can use your brain for that but like you know when you want to go play frisbee golf on your uh, free time guess what you can now you're you're 
strong and fast to play your frisbee golf. That's a really <laughs> tough, you know, game. Super useful. It will definitely change use of, the, of crisper editing. <laughs> It'll evolve the game of frisbee golf. I know that much. I mean, sure will. Just, just, just guys yoked to the fucking max, tossing that frisbee like, oh! yeah. Trust me, it's... They already do that. So. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I don't watch Frisbee golf. So, yes. That, so, I guess I am for pushing the good the good stuff forward, at least until someone takes uh, control of it with a, who's a mad person and uh, makes me eat my words. Well, that's gonna, 100% already going to happen. So, someone's <laughs> eating... You're going to be eating your words in no time. All right. And with that, we are going to hit our break, and we'll be back to talk about conspiracies. This is very important. You are to shoot the presidential nominee through the head, and Johnny will rise gallantly to his feet, and lift Ben Arthur's body in his arms, stand in front of the microphones, and begin with the speech. The speech is short, but it's the most rousing speech I've ever read. Rallying a nation of television viewers into hysteria to sweep us up into the White House with powers that will make martial law seem like anarchy. From the night of broken glass to the Gulf of Tonkin incident, history has shown us time and again that governments and individuals who run them are not beyond manufacturing reality to fit their goals. Unfortunately, these incidents have been used as fodder for inventive fabricators and political hacks who like to muddy the waters with tales of treacherous cabals comprised of Rosicrucian Manchurian candidates or invading forces of lizard people disguised as world leaders. Some of this is driven by a deep mistrust of institutions some by complete misunderstanding of reality. Of course, just because crazy people see conspiracies behind every closed door or mirrored office building doesn't mean people aren't actually plotting in bad faith. That's why we here at Far Off Topic are launching a new periodic segment called The Conspiracy is Real, where we'll look at actual incidents of intentional deception by myriad bad actors that would rather keep their secrets out of sight. Today, we'll be looking at the conspiracy between former Attorney General and current Trump Labor Secretary Alexander Acosta and mega-wealthy businessman Jeffrey Epstein. In 2007, Acosta conspired with Epstein's lawyers to minimize charges surrounding an underage sex trafficking ring that Epstein ran out of his many homes. If he had gone to court, those charges could have landed Epstein in jail for the rest of his life. Instead, Acosta gave him a sweetheart deal. But it doesn't end there. The Miami Herald came out uh, with a, a, I thought it's just an amazing story about how the collusion between Jeffrey Epstein's lawyers and the actual prosecutors in the state of Florida um, and how they were, they, they basically got together, created a deal so that Epstein would basically only get 13 months in county jail, but also they sealed it so that his accusers his alleged victims would not know about the deal right. because there's a there's a law that basically says that if if the the the, the crime victims rights act yes that says that uh, if you have a deal you have to tell it to the to the victims so that they can come in and possibly quash it the uh, the federal prosecutor or the the Florida prosecutor hid it from everyone uh, sealed it a judge ruled on it and said okay here you go completely closing off the door of the alleged victims to actually have their day in court. And this guy 
got off with, there were like 80 victims. Uh, 80 known victims. I think there was only a, a handful of those were actually involved in the, in the lawsuit. But it was this, which you can only call a conspiracy to keep this very rich millionaire, multi-millionaire. I thought I read somewhere he's a billionaire, but a very rich man from actually serving his time in, in jail. I didn't think this stuff kind of happened. I, thought, I mean, we, we hear about like rich people getting away with murder, but it's usually more hard fought. You know, if you look at OJ, he actually had to be in a courtroom and, you know, his, his lawyers actually had to wheel and deal and uh, convince a jury. This guy didn't even do that. He literally just had his lawyers knock on the door of the prosecutor and say, hey, so uh, Jeff doesn't want to go to jail. What can we do? Uh, I mean, he definitely doesn't want to, you know, serve his life in jail. So mm, can you help us out here? This case is one of those cases that's a very clear example of how there there's a two tier justice system in this country. Um, if you are rich and powerful, then you're just, then, then the justice system works in one way. And if you're not rich and powerful, then the justice system works in a far different way. And <clears throat> this guy was very rich and powerful. Um, and a conspiracy did occur where with his lawyer and him and the uh, U.S. attorney out of Florida getting together and and basically quashing what was in, in many people's minds just a dead to rights uh, sex, sex assault case, which I don't know why that would happen. Like and, and I think, frankly, it was it was initially the case was initiated out of the local jurisdiction, not out of the federal jurisdiction. And, you know, I think that the police and the uh, local prosecutors are, are were kind of befuddled at the notion that this guy um, that 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 an investigation would get shut down, um, that they had uh, so many victims on. And, and on top of that, the plea agreement that he reached is baffling. It's a baffling plea agreement like it inoculates co-conspirators. So right. to me. Like, I've never seen something like that where I can have a, a, a person I represent take a deal that will shield other people from getting indicted or, you know, charges filed on them. I've never seen that. I don't know how that's beneficial to anyone except Epstein and the uh, very powerful people who he runs around with who would be really, really destroyed by this, these allegations, as they should be. Right. And then secondarily, you know, as a defense attorney, I try and move cases frequently where I've got a deal in place and the prosecutor is, has agreed to that deal, my client has agreed to that deal, and the only thing that is preventing that deal from, from going through is the fact that the victim hasn't been notified. And because they can't find her, they can't find the victim, they can't find the person who they need to notify. Now, they've got to make good faith efforts to do that. That's the law. And uh, my, the law in my state mirrors the law in the federal jurisdiction. I don't know why, in this case, you wouldn't notify the victims of what you're doing other than to keep this quiet. And so it's that's a clear conspiracy in my mind. And here's my other question, though. So I get that. So if you're the defense attorney and you have a good relationship with uh, the prosecutor, um, 
you're gonna you're you're gonna make that phone call. You're gonna sit down at the Marriott and hash some shit out. That's just kind of you know. Yeah, that's just you know whatever. We'll call, I'll call it just like just casual corruption. It's negotiating or negotiating. Uh, but there's a judge involved in this too. There's a, oh, a yeah. third party, a, a neutral party that took the sealed document and said, "Okay, I'll go with this." And is he, is he supposed to be tell or she? We don't know if the judge are they supposed to say like, "Have you notified the victims?" Are they supposed to kind of uh, make sure all, all all things are right, or they just read through the document like, "All right, all right, cool, cool, signed it off because you're rich, done." I mean, at the end of the day, the person who sentences the defendant is the judge. So what you're doing is you're presenting the judge when when you do a negotiated deal, um, which. You know, like something like 94% of cases, private and public cases, are plea agreements. So you negotiate a, as an attorney, you negotiate a shitload of cases. I mean, that's the bulk of your job. You present that process, you present that judge a negotiated deal and you basically say, hey, both sides are involved in this. Both sides agree to this. And this is the, the solution that we've come up. We are asking the court to follow this agreement. And the judge has the, the the ability to follow the agreement or the ability to ignore the agreement. And most of the time, the judge follows the agreement. I, I don't know of many cases where I've seen the judge go sideways on an agreement. But when you said that, that you have to notify the the victims, like who's who's managing that? Is it just the two of you, the prosecutor and... and... Well, it's just the prosecutor. So, okay, so in this case, since the prosecutor was bald to just move this forward, there was no one policing that part of the the crime victims rights act right i mean there's no one policing much of what the prosecutor does it's a it, much of what prosecutors do is um through is is um self-policing so you know if they're notifying the victims of crime of the, of the victims of the crime and they get up and and say we've notified the victim of the crime and they've declined to come in and, and present a victim impact statement you assume that they have because they're in front of a judge and, and telling the judge that they have. And there's a court rule that says that you have to be candid with the court. Same thing with like turning over all the evidence that they have. There's a rule that says everything that you've got that's exculpatory or useful to the, to the defense, you got to give it to them. And we assume that that happens. Um, and sometimes it doesn't. And you put it in front of a judge and say, judge, seriously, can you order them to give us the goddamn evidence? And the judge will do it. The judge won't do it. But most of the time, I, you know, you assume right or wrong, but you assume that the prosecutors are, are doing their statutory obligations. So I guess moving forward for the victims, uh, since they're because like, like you said, if there's a Brady violation, uh, you can that's that, that's usually enough to get another. Uh, no, I guess maybe not usually enough. Sometimes that's enough to get a new trial. Right. Or sure. it's something that can yeah. destroy this the, the plea the agreement and just make them come back to to have a, a, a court case. So with a with a trial, yes, if there's a Brady violation, it has to be a material Brady violation. So something that would have materially affected the outcome of the case, then yes, that would be a Brady violation that would that would cause a trial to get overturned. With respect to a plea, it has to be huge. It has to be huge. You can't. You can't attack your plea for the most part. It's called a collateral attack on the judgment. So you cannot, thank you, Bill Clinton, you cannot, um, for the most part, attack a, a, a plea that you've made. Unwinding a guilty plea is one of the hardest things to do. Even if it broke another law? Sure. 
yeah, is it material? And then I don't remember with respect to what the exact um, requirements are on Brady violations, but it's it's significant to unwind a guilty plea. Wow. It's just grim. <laughs> it's grim. The, the criminal justice system is brutal, and this is an exact example of that. If, if, if Epstein had 50 bucks to his name and didn't know Bill Clinton and didn't know Alan Dershowitz and... Um, and also, like, didn't have a very high-profile lawyer who was able to call the United States attorney in Florida and get his ass over to a Marriott. This guy would be in prison for a long, long, long time. So this dovetails very nicely with the uh, Pizzagate scandal. Yeah, it from, does. What, last year? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, one, the big overarching narrative of that is that the Democrats had a uh, insidious pedophile ring uh, in the basement of a uh, uh, Comet Ping Pong pizzeria. But really, it's about the, the rich and the powerful have these sick pedophile satanic meetings. Puma Abedin and Clinton are murdering children. Uh, right. But then you get something like this, which is real. But you have the right. tinge, like you hit, like you, like you said before, uh, there were four co-conspirators uh, involved in his plea that are completely shielded. But he was also partying with Bill Clinton. He was partying with Alan Dershowitz. Uh, he's a big fan of Trump. Um, in fact, the the prosecutor who uh, did the plea, Alexander Acosta, is the Secretary of Labor. So. This is like the real Pizzagate, and this is a, a real miscarriage of justice, but it's also going to get wrapped up in that other... It's going to get eaten and, and, and absorbed by the conspiracy theorists as, as fodder for, you know, their, their kind of the weird fever dreams. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pizzagate thing is so stupid, and it, it, I don't understand... It, same with QAnon. They're, they're both very stupid conspiracies, uh, perpetuated by very stupid people for stupid people. And, um, but at the same time, there are real conspiracies out there. This being one of them that, uh, implicate very powerful people. And if people would look at it and say, this, this isn't right. This isn't the way we want our criminal justice system to work. Um, there shouldn't be the two tiered criminal justice system. We would have very different conversations instead of idiots showing up to, um, you know, Comet Ping Pong Pizza with AR-15s looking for the basement that doesn't exist. Um, What was it called? A self-investigation? You know, (laughs) self-investigation? Yeah, a self-investigation by some jackass. The, you know, same with QAnon. QAnon is... The notion that there's a person with the the highest level of of security clearance in the government is posting very um, obscure breadcrumbs to the followers that the and you know that essentially the the storm is coming uh, for the liberals and these criminal liberals and and that is a and that those postings are being made on 4chan. Uh, is his is his medium for communicating with the world is stupid. I mean that is that is just dumb as shit. Well, even if you look at the number of predictions from from like prediction, I guess drop one to drop whatever he's at now, thousand something, two thousand. Uh, the the earliest drops uh, were just they're I mean they're all 
been proven wrong. Like, he makes like matter of fact um, <laughs> uh, predictions, uh, like you know, like uh, uh, John Podesta is going to be arrested today, or there's going to be a false flag incident today, um, and nothing happens, or Trump's going to you know declare martial law <laughs> and nothing's happened, but people still right. believe in that shit. They're idiots. That's because and they're stupid. That and it's also uh, it's a modern messianic revelatory movement. So he's this you know mm-hmm. voice out in the wilderness claiming to know all this this shit and, and making predictions. It doesn't matter if he's wrong for them. It's just that he's perpetuating the narrative. He's perpetuating this idea that Trump is a savior and that the deep state is the enemy. And if you're in the know, if you keep reading my feeds, my breadcrumbs, then yeah. you'll be saved too. And that's why he doesn't have to be right. He doesn't have to be right because this is essentially the voice of God. This is the, it's a spiritual moment. That's classic, that's classic cultish behavior. I mean, that's exactly how, that's exactly how cult leaders work. At what point do they say, fuck you, can you get it right once? I don't know. I, well, the thing is, is he's changed his, uh, he's changed his tactics. Now he's very, much more vague. He's much more like it's either in the next couple weeks or soon. That's the smart. I mean, honestly, like if I was to coach him in, because uh, I, I I love doomsday cults. Oh, I yeah. love uh, doomsday preachers. And the one thing I would always counsel is like, hey, don't don't set a date. Don't put don't a timeline on your end of the world. Yeah, never set a date. You just it's the doom is always over the head, over over the horizon. It's always it's always the next thing, and you, it could be, you know, it's. The, it could be Russia today, you know, it was Russia back in the 80s, you know, the, the Cold War. Yeah, um, just pick an enemy. Now it's, you know, it's in the Middle East. It could always be the Middle East or ISIS or uh, well, now it's, it's the Mexicans. caravans. It's Mexican. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's Hispanics. Well, honestly, uh, it's pedophiles because for whatever, I mean, pedophiles are the Nazis Nazi, you know, like everyone, there's not a human that. I guess lives and breathes and isn't a psychopath. It's like, oh yeah, no, pedophiles are awesome. You know, like we, right. we know we need we need to hear what they're saying. Uh, they might have a you know they might have something some something smart to say about why they're pedophiles or whatever. No, no, they're the minute you you say that that enemy out there is lurking and trying to steal your kids, um, you lose people lose all rational thought and say like fuck it, yeah I'll believe you QAnon because we need to save the kids, um, despite the fact that you know their version isn't real right. and. It would be interesting to see what that group could do in the case of like Jeffrey Epstein. You know, in that case, if they actually looked for justice for those 80 women who were attacked by him, that would be an amazing turn of events for QAnon, where they like use this grounds power, this grassroots power to find true justice for their, their, the people who they allege to advocate for, the children, the, the victims of pedophilia. Uh, if they actually turn that around and, and turn their group into like, let's go after Alexander Acosta, let's go after, let's go to the Trump administration since we have a, their ear and demand that we see justice. Um, that would be amazing. And actually it would be, it makes sense. It would, it, I guess it would just not make sense, but it would just be the, uh, uh, a great use of their time. And yeah. uh, it, it would make sense that like, what they're advocating for, like it would give them a purpose, and I guess is what I'm saying, thinking of, is that rather than just kind of constantly screaming at the air and saying, we're all being attacked, the black jet helicopters are coming, or whatever, you know, the Democrats are going to steal the election. Instead, concentrate on this, you know, like find, find uh, uh, justice for these, these women. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be amazing. You know, that would, would be an amazing 
turn. It would, and it'll never happen because it 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 would require them to be actual activists instead of um, l- lunatics. Like I, they they're not they, they won't be they're not going to be activists in the in the traditional sense because they see the world through a different lens and that lens doesn't lend itself to uh, rational society. I mean, QAnon is such a QAnon is so stupid. Like it is such a stupid conspiracy theory. Yet you have It's very amateurish, yeah. It's, it's I mean like very it's just reading, amateur. Re- reading through s- some of the shit is just like, what? <laughs> Why? No. Right. It's exceptionally amateur. Yet we have police officer, a police officer getting photographed with the goddamn vice president while wearing a Q patch. Like why is that person anywhere near the vice president? Like, why does that person have a gun and and the ability to shoot a person legally? Like, that person shouldn't have a gun or the ability to shoot someone legally. Yet, there they are. I'm con- I am convinced that there are, are tons of people who don't. They, they know the cursory, the, the broad strokes of QAnon, that the, the deep state is the enemy of Trump and that the Democrats are evil. Like, they, they, mm-hmm. they know that much about QAnon. And they're like, yep. Uh, then I'm QAnon. I believe in QAnon. I don't think anyone is actually, oh, I should say, I don't think the vast majority of people are reading through all of QAnon's bullshit drops or his breadcrumbs. I just well, think they, they, they know who the who QAnon's enemies are, and they're like, oh, no, I'm the enemy of those people, too. So, yeah, I'll wear a patch. But, yeah, I mean. That's astonishing. It's it's still a, just a, <laughs> a real uh, bad choice to uh, not not know what you're advocating when you're in front of the goddamn vice president. Yeah, I think, you know, the general message is just if you're going to believe, if you believe in conspiracy theories, and I certainly do believe in certain conspiracy theories, but that's because there are certain conspiracy theories that are real. Like the Epstein case is a clear, clear conspiracy theory of at the highest level. I mean, people who are potentially implicated, people are potentially implicated in this case who would be involved in the highest levels of government. And yet, as you said earlier, it's a blip on the radar of of the world's, you know, consciousness. I mean, if we think about it, the allegation is that he flew a plane that that he would fly a plane around the world and and on that plane would be drugs, booze, and underage women, underage girls. And Bill Clinton used that plane. So are we to believe that Bill Clinton was on the plane without the drugs, booze, and underage women? I, I don't know. Is he one of the unindicted co-conspirator, con- con- conspirators who was, uh, you know, protected by Epstein? I don't know. But that it would sure be nice to know that. Those questions are, I think, where you start going into the fantasy because you know he was friends with him and he know mm-hmm. he used the plane, but you don't know that one fact. And but your brain says, but probably because we know right. Bill Clinton's character, we know Trump's character, uh, we know the, the you know, and we know probably if th- those two people are, are very powerful, there's probably other people like him uh, or like them. So. How, how, like, but, but how do we also know that Pizzagate's bullshit? Well, because, I mean, you know, they, they're doing the spirit cooking nonsense, which if if which is just, you know, I, I, I don't know the spirit cooking. Nonsense. And then also like the rituals took place in the basement. And it's like, but this place doesn't have a basement, you dick. Um, 
So, I mean, there there's holes that you can poke into it. Whereas with the Epstein case, you, you're forced to extrapolate because of the deal that this asshole made with with the U.S. attorney. You are forced to speculate and, and use your common sense as to what potentially happened, despite the fact that that's not what you should do in situations like this. You should know all the facts and we should know all the facts with this, especially since it implicates, as I said, the highest levels of government. And it really does come down to the, I guess, what you consider common sense, because obviously not everyone has common sense. They would say they do, but they don't. Um, <laughs> but it's just like in the reading, even with the Pizzagate stuff, it's just a cursory reading of what are the accusations? Well, we believe that John Podesta, Hillary Clinton, Human Abedin, and the entire, really, the Democratic Party are involved or really solely exist to uh, traffic in children. And since they mm -hmm. can't speak, speak about that in public, they use uh, code words specifically food to uh, to market or ex talk about how they're going to attack children. For instance, cheese pizza means child pornography. It's just like, well, who, who who's coming up with this? Like, I don't know. It's just, I guess Jeffrey Epstein actually has a paper trail. Miami Herald actually got a hold of the uh, the documents that uh, that, that uh, talk about the plea agreement. They talk about the, the police investigation. So right. there's a, there's a, there's, people to talk to. They're actual victims. Um, and I guess there is a... There is a... At the same time, yeah, that, I mean, like for us, you and me, uh, I've never met those victims. I've never been to the Miami Herald. I don't know this reporter. Um, and that's that leap of faith of saying, well, but I still think it's more real than the Pizzagate. Someone pled guilty to it, too. I mean, that's... You know, someone, someone entered into a plea agreement stating that this thing happened. So, I mean, that's you know, far more interesting to me than, you know, Pizzagate or, or QAnon. Yeah. And that shit like this is probably happening to this day. Uh, oh, it happens where I'm at, even at the granular level, like silly little, silly little cases in, in my jurisdiction. I've seen uh, if you got, you got a few bucks in your pocket, you're in good shape. Well, I think we learned something today. Uh, everything will work out as long as you have the money to pay for that outcome. Uh, and if not, the world is wet garbage. So another uplifting message from your friends here at Far Off Topic. We'll be back right after the break. On the subway today, a man came up to me to start a conversation. He made small talk, this lonely man talking about the weather and other things. I tried to be pleasant and accommodating but my head began to hurt from his banality. I almost didn't notice it had happened, but I suddenly threw up all over it. He was not pleased, and I couldn't stop laughing. All right, so that was the show. Um, you can reach us on Twitter, at Far Off Topic, and that's about it, because I haven't really set up anything else. I'm trying to actually get off Facebook, so until we can find uh, some nice little home for our social medias, we're just gonna we're just gonna have the the Twitter because why not you know um, the show's available on TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes as well as Spotify. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I do. So we made it on Spotify then. Yes, actually, did we? Did I did I just make that up? Uh oh. <laughs> well, we should because we're. Let's just say we let's just say we are on Spotify for now. Oh, I don't think we are. Oh yes, we are. Yeah, we are on Spotify. Ha <laughs> ha. All right, we're on Spotify. Congratulations. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, comment and rate if that's 
what you do. Um, and uh, most of all, thank you for listening. Uh, until you hear from us again, so mote it be. So mote it be. Thank you.